Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Yes, Wimbledon is over and we have a bit of a break until the next major of the year. We also, you know, no uh, Masters events, no Premier events until we get to the Toronto Swing and Cincinnati. But as always, the tennis world does not sleep. The World Team Tennis 2019 season officially underway. We are so excited for that at Cracked Rackets and that is why I am so happy to bring on today's guest. He is the current general manager of the Orange County Breakers, but he's had quite a bit of history with sports back in the day. You look at a former place kicker at the University of Nevada, where he was all Mountain West, academic all-conference, and all-American bowl uh, team member. Uh, Alan Harson, welcome to the Mini Break Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. Looking forward to chatting here. Absolutely, and I should tell you, I had the chance earlier in the year to interview uh, Carlos Silva, CEO of World Team Tennis. He speaks so highly of you. I, you know, was chatting with him, trying to. I shouldn't reveal my sources, but get some info on you on the back and forth. Um, <laughs> so, particularly excited for this interview, and I know with the season now a couple days underway, uh, how have the few, first few days been for you? Yeah, I, I think generally as a league, World Team Tennis has shown a lot of promise under Carlos Silva. Uh, a huge deal we did with CBS Sports Network. Had a couple of awesome matches um, that have been broadcast on CBS Sports Network as well as ESPN Plus over the first couple of days. Great pr- crowds, phenomenal players. The tennis has been, you know, at an all-time high, uh, and, and certainly looking forward to the rest of the season as far as the Breakers go. Uh, I had our had our opener last night in Orlando, unfortunately fell uh, in the fifth set really really tight one between James Ward and Feliciano Lopez but we're back at it tonight against Philadelphia and I think we've got a, a great squad and hopefully we can weather the storm here in this opening four match road trip and uh, get back to California with a couple wins here. Absolutely, and for you guys, you start your season on the East Coast, and you get your West Coast portion of the year next year. Early tennis, so exciting, but I know even before that, some of the big changes coming into the year, you mentioned it already, that contract with CBS Sports. I got to watch some of the World Team Tennis on that broadcast live, and it was fun. We had Mackie McDonald, Sam Groth making their broadcasting debuts. How important is it for World Team Tennis to have that sort of platform to get to display the sport, which, as you mentioned, continues to get a higher quality or reach a higher quality every year? Yeah, I I really believe in the product and the format that is World Team Tennis. And I think Carlos Silva, once again, is the right guy to just really showcase this product. And we haven't quite had the platform that we've wanted over the past couple of years. But as you know, we get some of the top players in the world and I think our World Team Tennis product is uh, really a, a tennis product that also fits the general sports fan really well, even if you're not a tennis fan. So I think it's a great opportunity to uh, continue to grow the game. But some of the changes that have been brought in under, under Carlos and his crew have been phenomenal. And once again, just being able to let us showcase this phenomenal product and format that we think we have throughout the U.S. and then throughout the world um, should put us, or what we hope, put us on the map here uh, in the tennis world. You mentioned some of those changes again. I know uh, you were particularly enthusiastic about the change in the WT lo- uh, WTT logo as well as the new court color. Which one brings you more joy, you know, through these first through, uh, first few matches? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, first <laughs> of all, I've, I've been with World Team Tennis since 2012 now, and uh, you obviously grow fond of those old calico colors that we have. And it was kind of a, a brand mark that... 
people would recognize when they turned on the TV and, and when they saw that. But at the same time, it was it was just time to change, really. Um, and, I, and I think now is the time to do it. And with, you know, a couple of big time broadcast deals with the SBM Plus and CBS Sports Network, we needed a court that had better visibility, better ball tracking. Uh, another interesting thing about those old courts is it's a lot of manual labor um, that kind of goes into resurfacing a court and mixing the paint colors and the coatings, et cetera. So some of the speeds of those old uh, multicolored courts would actually play differently. And we get complaints from time to time with players like the red is playing faster than the blue and the green <laughs> is playing slower, whatever it was. So just going with more of a traditional U.S. Open blue in the middle, which is what we have. And then we're using the, the labor cup gray on the outside. I, I think for visibility, it's great. I think for the players, it's great. So far, great reviews from fans. And um, I just I think it brings it into this new area of World Team Tennis really nicely. So court color is a very minute detail in what is obviously the big WTT picture, but I'm going to agree with you that it was time for a change. It was certainly, when you saw the multicolored court, you knew what you were watching, but it was a lot to handle. Just from the viewer, <laughs> the red, the blue, the the light green tennis ball, it's, it's a lot. And so I, I don't disagree with your decision, I suppose, to go with the classic U.S. Open colors. Again, I think outdoors right now, you know, it's beautiful July. You've gotten to see... Uh, these new courts and the most pristine environments. It's been a ton of fun to watch. Uh, I, I do want to ask about the logo as well, because I know uh, that meant a lot to you. It's, it's looking good, right? Oh, I, I think it looks phenomenal. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very clean. It's simple. Um, definitely not too corporate. It's, it's still fun. Um, and for the most part, if you know WTT, you should know exactly what it is and what it stands for. So, um, you know, definitely um, the, the inside, the actual text in the font is very similar to what the league has had in the past, which is great. And then obviously the, the loop around the top of the ball and the ball itself um, is a little bit new and tweak the colors here and there a bit. But um, I think it looks phenomenal and stands out really well. I absolutely agree with you, and I do want to talk about your breakers, the WTT 2019 season, but just for our fans who don't know about you, I mentioned earlier you are the general manager for the Orange County Breakers. Prior to that, you were the general manager of the Austin Aces. Of course, Austin then uh, moves back to Orange County, but even before uh, that transition happened, how did you get involved from the WTT? I know uh, you were working in the MLB prior to your stint as a college football player, so it sounds like sports was always in your dna uh but what made you made the decision you know make the jump to tennis yeah no that's, that's a great question well first of all um just growing up in newport beach i was very familiar with the breakers and who they were so back in college i did an internship with world team tennis and i had a blast and i loved it um both of my parents played division one college my wife is a former top 55 doubles player so it's kind of in the family, but uh, funny, I, I just never really picked up a racket growing up, but um, very passionate about team sports. And obviously with World Team Tennis, I mean, it's, it's the best of any team co competition there is in the world, um, in my opinion. So uh, really fell in love with the product, went out, worked for the Angels for a little bit, and uh, had an opportunity to get back into World Team Tennis. I was given a full-time job offer, and uh, here with the Breakers all the way back, I want to say, geez, in 2013. And, um, you know, just really had a blast. I'm, I'm still in love with this product. I think it has a ton of potential, which is why I'm still here. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, the next uh, 44 years, if you will, of World Team Tennis, see where we can take this thing. 
Oh, absolutely. And I did want to ask about your wife, Ava, as well. You're involved in the tennis world. Obviously, she is, you mentioned, peak number uh, 55, a couple of titles, in, or, you know, runner-ups in WTA finals, I believe five in her career as well. You guys get out on the tennis court right now. Who's taking the W? Oh, she's she's taking the W. <laughs> yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get, once again, I just, I, I never really picked up a racket much growing up. And um, even to this day, I don't play as much as I would like to. But, um, oh, she'll still smoke me. I'll get, you know, two games if I'm lucky. In a, in a bet. So, <laughs> if she's um, feeling generous. Yeah, no, she's, you know, she's tall. She's six foot three, an incredible serve. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's difficult for me, you know. No. So, yeah, but uh, it's always, always a fun challenge, though. And it's always awesome when tennis is in the family. And, again, you talked about that internship, having so much fun, now coming back to World Team Tennis. What is it about this product to you that you found, you know, so much enjoyment with, you know, obviously team tennis and it's on sort of like an oxymoron to those who are just fans of the Grand Slams, but it is such a unique format in our sport when you get to see, uh, or a unique moment when you get to see these players play in the team atmosphere. What was it about the product that, you know, kept calling you back to it? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I, I think for starters, one community. I just I love what World Team Tennis does and what all of our franchises across the league do for the communities that we play in. Um, you know, getting getting rackets in kids' hands and um, you know getting kids out and giving them an opportunity to see top flight tennis in their backyard. It's just so rare today to see you know Victoria Azarenka come through Newport Beach. It just wouldn't otherwise happen. So. Um, one, I, I just thought that was amazing, the community aspect of what we do with WTT. And, and then secondly, it was, it's amazing. Um, some of these players over the years have really kind of become family, whether it's our coach Rick Leach or, you know, Steve Johnson, kind of what he's gone through with his dad and, you know, what just happened with Nicole Gibbs and her cancer. And um, it, uh, it's, it's even bigger than tennis and it's bigger than sports. Um, and once again, you just um, – kind of kind of bring these players in almost to family and um you get really passionate really emotional about some of these events and um i just i, I really fell in love with it and uh and and certainly will continue to be uh as long as i'm here with wtt listeners will get tired of hearing this anecdote but i myself played club tennis in college and it's the same format as the wtt only our sets are just six but it's the same you play you know a set of mixed a set of two uh, guys girls doubles guys girls singles uh and so this format it really is so much fun the guy i do one of our other podcasts with max rothman was actually my doubles partner in our club tennis time so uh speaking to that feeling of community i 100 percent echo it uh, for yourself personally, I mentioned you joined the Austin Aces in 2015, and right away, you guys win your conference, you reach the finals, and then you make the decision to move back to Orange County. Uh, you know, what was that decision about? What led to you guys making the jump back to California? For those who don't know, I know you were there prior to Austin, but what led the team to head back in that direction? Yeah, so so first of all, I'll, I'll jump even back before that. So after the 2013 season, the Breakers were a league-owned franchise at the time, and um, the league had secured somebody who wanted to purchase the franchise in Austin, Lauren Avenue, who I very much enjoyed working for. Um, so worked for Lauren Avenue there in Austin for two years, and uh, I think Austin, by the way, is a phenomenal team tennis market. I thought the fans were incredible, and it's definitely someplace – I would recommend that World Team Tennis try to go back and put a franchise in there. But um, we had a little bit of an issue securing some venues 
And uh, eventually that kind of led to the team moving back. And then obviously my ties here in Orange County, um, being able to secure sponsorships from a player perspective. Um, we thought it was much better as well. And then lastly, um, Lauren, the guy who owned the team in Austin, sold it to our current owner, Eric Davidson, uh, back here in Orange County. So Eric obviously wanted the franchise here in Newport Beach. And Eric is also now the WTT chairman of the board. So it's uh, it's been a thrilling experience. And I think Eric has a great vision for where World Team Tennis um, can go and, and where it needs to be today and tomorrow and for the next couple of years. So um, I, I think things are uh, really turning up for World Team Tennis. And again, getting back to this community feeling, I know your owner, you said Eric Davis, I know he's from Laguna Beach, has a history with tennis as well. Uh, how helpful is it when you have an owner? I mean, this sounds very, you know, minute, but again, when you have an owner who not only embraces the game, but has a background in it, how has that helped, you know, the Orange County Breakers embrace Orange County as a tennis community? Oh, it's, it's just been huge. I, I mean, the fan support since Eric took over, and, and once again, I know it sounds funny, but it's, I mean, it's, it's literally double of what it was back in 2016. And I, I literally think uh, that's just a huge compliment to Eric and how tied in he is to this community and, and how much people want to support this team because of how much everyone here loves Eric Davidson. Uh, but he grew up playing at this club, Palace Hates Tennis Club, He's a member here, as you mentioned, grew up in Laguna Beach, went to Laguna Beach High School. So this is his hometown. He wants to give back. He wants to bring an event here that people will enjoy and and spend great summer nights here uh, at the club watching Breakers matches every year. So it's um, it's just been awesome to uh, kind of see what Eric's done here. And then even better is he kind of uh, starts this endeavor with World Team Tennis. And again, I do want to talk about your current team, This, you know, the 2019 iteration of the season. But looking at World Team Tennis as a product, you know, there are those tennis purists, I like to call them, traditionalists who show up for the slams, who love the individual aspect of the competition that is tennis. They embrace the fact, you know, it's two people out there. It's just themselves. They love that uh, the sort of grit, the drive it takes to, we just saw with Djokovic and Federer, those guys 12 all in the fifth set. That's obviously requires some form of greatness uh yeah you know yeah and you guys have had success in orange county in terms of bringing out fans but to the broader public who either a may not have a world team tennis team in their community or b uh you know just haven't gone to a match yet what would you pitch to them in terms of why you think they would enjoy the world team tennis format yeah for for just a, a general sports fan somebody who's not even a tennis fan I would say this is, I mean, this is the best night out of the week. I mean, you come out here, whether you like tennis or not, we have eight incredible local food vendors out there. We've got bars. We're playing music. We have DJ Dance, who's been the NBA DJ All-Star of the Year three times in a row. We're playing music in between points. It's not your, your typical stuck-up tennis, as you mentioned, that you'd see at Wimbledon. All kids 16 and under get autographs. We've got mascots running around, player introductions, and... Um, it's it's really we really try to have something for everybody and and then you know you go back and as you mentioned if you're trying to pitch your general tennis fan who does like the Wimbledon setting or the U.S. Open setting this is this is the same level of incredibly high tennis and we're bringing it right here into your backyard whether you like um, you know all the hoopla that we put around our event the incredible tennis is still right there for those people as well so I, I really feel like our event tailors to everybody. Yeah, and when you talk about names like John Isner, Sloan Stevens, Victoria Azarenka, Steve Johnson, you know, Danielle Collins, Taylor Fritz, on and on and on, 
for those in particular who love American tennis, you are going to get to see all of your favorites play in all of these matches. Um, I know, again, uh, for uh, I do, or in terms of just the format of how your team is assembled, how you get all of these various players to commit to playing the WTT season, uh, can you give us a little behind the scenes of how that happens? You know, how you guys fit in this season with all the scheduling that comes with the professional tour as well? Yeah, so so for starters, um, going all the way back every year to, I think in last year, November 2018, we start a league-wide recruiting process. And what we do is we have a window of when our season's going to be, and, and this is always a challenge, by the way, but we, we go out there and we literally recruit players to sign up for the draft, and we go through contract negotiations with players, and um, we really try to get everybody that we possibly can to sign up for the draft or anybody for that matter who would be interested. And um, then when we get to draft day, which was March 12th this year, we compile a list of all the players who have signed up for the draft. And the team is based on the reverse order of finish the season before. So for this past year, based on 2018's reverse order of finish, we go through and we have a player draft. Uh, and this year we assembled our team with a couple veterans um obviously nicole and andre have been at, at this uh, for the breakers for quite some time now andre three years and nicole five years both have been mvps and then um on the guy side we figured bringing in a couple brits um would add some really good chemistry and so far i think they've all hit it off um and then as far as the franchise players like azarenka johnson and bouchard that we have in orange county uh it's i think the best way to describe that is pretty much like a free agent process and we just went out there and signed all three of those players in free agency and kind of made the best bids and were the most attractive offers for those players, which is how we were able to get those guys. So my mind is racing. I have many follow-ups, and I'll try and you know keep them orderly. Let's start with the <laughs> fr- franchise player versus roster player because that's an interesting distinction to me. Franchise players yep. are not draft eligible. Franchise players are not draft eligible, and what those players are is they're essentially players who are only available to play on a limited basis. So for somebody like Victoria Azarenka, it's tough for her to commit to a full week's reason, but we don't want to shut her out of playing World Team Tennis at the same time. So we allow some some players of certain ranking to um, play limited seasons, and those players you essentially kind of go out and get on your own um, in a per se free agency process. Sure, and is there competitive bidding? Are we talking one? Yeah. I'm I'm trying to angle myself. Oh, so it's I like this. Uh, oh my god, we might have to get into these negotiations. I don't know if you know Parsa, but he's all about. Uh, it's a guy we work with at Cracked Rackets. I feel like this is right up his yep. alley. So I'm making a little yeah, note here. Parsa Parsa manages all of our social media, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a free for all. I mean, Vegas, San Diego, Orange County, Philadelphia. We're all going after players and. Um, you know, for the most part, it's normally best offer, but at the same time, for people like Victoria Azarenka, I think being local for her, she's up in Santa Monica, um, definitely helped our recruiting pitch. It wasn't a far um, travel day for her. So uh, I, I think that definitely helped in getting Vika. But, um, you know, same thing with Stevie. But yeah, it's, it's for the most part a free for all free agency. That is fascinating and something I want to explore as well. But so then the roster, the draft, this to me, equally interesting. There is a draft of players, as you mentioned, it goes reverse order. Take me in that draft room. What does that look like? I mean, is there, you know, is there a rotating clock? Are we on Skype? What, what are we looking at? Oh, no, it's, um, gosh, it's, it's very similar to what you see at the NFL draft. We have players show up. 
Um, every team has their own little war table, if you will, that we call it. Bring in LED boards. We do it at Indian Wells every year. Um, really, uh, in my opinion, probably my favorite event of the year. And uh, a lot of trades, a lot of negotiations going on. And leading up to that, the couple nights before, and specifically the night before the draft, everyone's always up until 3 a.m. trying to swing trades or improve their draft position oh. or you know get certain players or whatever it might be. So it's it's a real blast. So draft picks are eligible to be traded. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, all right. I'm telling you this as a friend right now. A little insider trading. Two first round picks. Give up 2022, 2023. Book up Whitney Osigwe right now. Just trust me. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she took us to town last night. We saw that firsthand. Oh so my gosh, uh, was she good? She she's with Orlando, and um, you're in the drivers. Once you have a player you get the first right of refusal essentially every year to protect that player. So if Whitney wants to play again next year, Orlando um, is the one that calls the shots there. So if she's able to come to a deal with the Storm, then Orange County or San Diego or Washington, whoever it might be, does not have a shot at her. So is it only new players, like new to that season, are eligible at the draft? The others have first right of protection? Okay, ah, I see. Now it's... Oh my gosh! So like Ryan Harrison, who's been playing with San Diego for a while, he's always going to go back to there. Yes, yes, yeah. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan loves San Diego, so I think we'll see him stay there for a while. Got it. Oh my gosh, my mind is whirling. This is a lot. I here's the other thing. I, I again, I'm in on us. Well, you know what? I'll hold the the make believe trades for a little bit later. We'll do those <laughs> in the wrap. If I, I don't need to run you through all of my thoughts around this, sounds like an article I should be doing on my own. Uh, and I don't want to get you in trouble. No collusion here. Um, <laughs> um, but so so that being said, let's get to the 2019 Breakers. You look at your roster this year, as you mentioned, you bring in James Ward, Luke Bainbridge. Uh, you have bringing back Vika Azarenka, Steve Johnson, Nicole Gibbs, uh, Andrea Klepic. But then you also bring in Jeannie Bouchard. Uh, just in general, how, how are you feeling about the composition of your roster this season? Oh, I, I love it, um, and it's amazing. We've had this every year. We do a group text, and you can tell immediately the chemistry kind of on the group text, um, how things are going, but this one so far has been really funny. Funny pictures going around, funny Jeff's going around. Uh, <laughs> the team is the team is very lighthearted. Um, we know Nicole and Andre already get, to, you know, get along very, very well for all their years with the Breakers. And uh, we knew the two Brits with James and Luke would get along really well. Obviously, Stevie feels an incredible. He's a great team tennis player because he's a great doubles player as well. Victoria, same thing. You know, crazy, sneaky, good doubles player and obviously incredible singles player. And Judy's been playing team tennis since, I want to say, 2013. So, And then James, when we went after him in the draft, we saw his incredible success with the Davis Cup. We knew he was, you know, great in the team format based on – what he showed with Great Britain back in 2015 and had great composure. Definitely showed that last night. So we'll see how this thing gels. It's too early to tell right now, but um, I think they're having a great time, and that's a huge part of having a successful team in WTT. College tennis is a big topic for us at Cracked Rackets, and so I'm curious from your perspective, co- your coach, Rick Leach, a four-time All-American. You've got Stevie, uh, you know, maybe the best college tennis player on the men's side in history. Nicole Gibbs, oh, no. a two-time NCAA champion herself. Uh, did you? Is there any you know sort of strategy behind having those sort of team tennis experienced players on your roster? Is that something you look for, or do you think at this point because all of these players you know so professional, uh, they'll find a way to get along, and it's just about accumulating talent? 
No, I, I think I think what you said to start was exactly what we aim for. If we can get college players, they almost always come in and play better in the format. And as I just mentioned, um, it's really good to have players that are okay with you know being stuck in a jet together for 14 flights and being on a train and being in a car together. And that's what you get in college tennis, um, for starters. And also these college players are typically great doubles players. And they get pumped up in the team format. So obviously what we see with Stevie and Nicole, I really believe those two are some of the best team tennis players that uh, WTT has ever seen. Um, obviously Nicole has been a past MVP and Stevie's just incredible in the format. So um, we definitely try to get uh, college players if we can. Yeah, and for your team, you mentioned you guys lost, I believe it was 22-19 last night to Orlando. Uh, we talked earlier about you, know, you guys being placed in July uh, right after Wimbledon for the regular season. Is that something, you know, as an organization you guys are planning on doing? Do you think this is the most appealing time to get these sort of players? And then as a GM, how do you factor in, you know, knowing certain players are going to miss certain spots into how you're compiling your roster? Yeah, no, that's a um, huge topic of conversation right now within the World Team Tennis House because uh, 2020, we have to deal with the Tokyo Olympics, and that window, unfortunately, falls right during the World Team Tennis season. So we're taking a really hard look at that right now. Uh, but for us, the priority, as you just mentioned, is how do we get the top talent, how do we get the top professional tennis talent to play the World Team Tennis? I don't know if it's in that window or not right now. We're just um, you know reviewing the ATP and WTA calendars as we speak, and uh, I think we'll be making a decision during our owners' meeting around August 28th or 29th. Um, but that's a massive topic of conversation, and um, uh, the good thing about where we are right now uh, in the current swing is all the players are stateside. So if there are injuries uh, during the season, which always come up, it's easy to pick players off, something we definitely had to deal with last year quite a bit. You know, easy to get players out of, you know, you know qualifiers who lost or players who lose first round in Atlanta or DC or whatnot, it's easy to get those players on a flight and get subs for world team tennis when needed. And in the greater scheme of things, in terms of competing in the sporting market, getting, you know, uh, maximizing your TV exposure, uh, getting out to as many sports fans as possible. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but is July targeted not only because tennis-wise it's after Wimbledon, but because there really is a dead period. You know, there's baseball going on, but beyond that, no basketball, no football, golf uh, dispersed, you know, in, in between. Do you feel like Olympic years aside, the WTT, you know, targeting July to try and own that month? Oh, I, I, I think it's huge for us. Um, and I don't know if it will ever happen, but I would love for us, similar as to what you saw with the Labor Cup, being recognized on the ATP and WTA tour calendars. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's a, t- a pipe dream, but... Um, I think one day it could become reality if these guys see what we're doing and how we're promoting these players. But we do. We want to be a staple in the summer. It's it's phenomenal for ticket sales. It's great for getting you know ball, volunteers and ball, ball kids out. And if we're doing it during the school year, we're competing, as you mentioned, with football and hockey and basketball and all those things that are starting up. It uh, becomes a little bit of a crowded sports space. 
No, I, I absolutely love it. And as I mentioned, I think I, I'd watched so much Wimbledon throughout the week. I was home with men. My brother was home and he was like, you know, no TV, I'm going to, or no tennis, I'm going to have your attention. And then of course I turn on opening night of world team tennis. He's like, why are you watching more tennis? I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like it's now it's go time. And so I, I completely agree with you. I love that aspect of the sport. I will say for your breakers, formerly aces, 2015, 2016, you guys lose in the finals. 2017, you win the championship. And then last season, no finals appearances. Uh, we feeling a little, I don't know, how are we feeling this year? Motivated year? Yeah, no, we. Um, it, it's unbelievable. That was my first year as general manager that we had a losing season. So, I, you know, I, I hold myself to a high standard. I know Rick Leach does as well. Um, we were bummed but um, not not to blame it on anything, but uh, we just weren't able to get the team chemistry last year that we wanted to. I think a lot of that was due to injuries, but once again, no excuses. And um, gosh, I mean, both of us, Rick and I were just talking last night after the match, like we, uh, we got to go. So that, that wasn't fun to lose that one. Um, but once again, I think with the experience we have on this team, um, tough road swing to start the season, but I think once we come home, things will really settle down. And I think the squad has what it takes to get into the playoffs and, and that's really what we're shooting for if we get into the playoffs I, I think we're unstoppable um, but we'll peak at the right time and we're feeling confident and again for our listeners who may not be aware the world team tennis format it sets to five tiebreakers at four all no ad scoring uh, you play five sets two men's and women's doubles two men's and women's singles one mixed doubles Again, you look at your roster this year. Uh, what is it about it? You know, what do you think your guys' strengths are? Will there be any tinkering throughout the season? Just give us the layout of the Orange County Breakers. Yeah, I, I think for starters, um, on the men's single side, um, with James and Stevie, both guys that have massive serves shouldn't have any problem for the most part holding serves. Um, the men's single sets. Typically, one way or another, they're always 5-4 sets. Um, you know, they're, they're typically sets that are going to a tiebreaker. So we feel very confident in both of those guys. Um, Luke Bainbridge, we truly believe he's uh, the top doubles player in the league. He's just 24 years old. I want to say he's 41 in the world today. So men's doubles is definitely a set we feel really confident in. Uh, mixed doubles, I think, will probably be our strongest set every night, looking at Bainbridge and Klepich. Um Luke with that incredible serve, uh, and then Andrea, former World Team Tennis MVP, uh, just knows the format as well as anybody. And then with Nicole um, and Vika and, and Bouchard, you know, you'll see you'll see fighters out of all those players. Gibbs will definitely grind down players, um, and she's somebody who in this format is very capable of winning sets five one five two. Getting in the heads of other players is just making people miss. Um, and then obviously when we bring in Vika and Bouchard, uh, their credentials speak for themselves. So I, I think it's a really, really strong lineup. Um, once again, not quite in full swing right now, but uh, I think we'll hit our strides in. What people who may not play uh, have played this format don't realize, I, I think men's singles, regardless of your level, you know, world team tennis, obviously the highest level, but even at the club level, it never matters. You're always getting a tiebreaker there. Short sets, you're not going to see much stuff. No ad scoring. It's just, it's difficult to really get anything. It always came down to mixed doubles for us. And so I agree. <laughs> that team of Bainbridge or Klepich, or, you know, when Coach Lee says, look, Luke, I like you a lot, but I'm rolling Stevie tonight, and Stevie right. and Klepich, that is a dynamite, you know, sort of lockdown team. I, I'm, you know, I, I definitely like the way you guys are positioned moving forward. But, you know, when we were texting, you mentioned in-season trades. 
you say they're a thing, but how big of a part are they of the World Team Tennis? Because I feel like fans could really fall in love with that aspect of it. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Yeah, they're huge. Um, so last year we we had a pretty big one that kind of rocked the World Team Tennis uh, <laughs> League as a whole. Um, didn't make some people happy. It made us very happy. But uh, what we did is we were out. So in my opinion, just looking at you know Major League Baseball or the NFL or whatever it is, if your team's rocking and rolling and you're gonna you know make a push to get into the finals, then you're probably gonna go out there and you're gonna be a buyer. You're probably gonna want to buy some good talent. Um, but last year we were um, below the Mendoza line, if you will, <laughs> and um, we were we were a seller. There were a couple couple teams interested in a few of our players. And we thought, heck, how can we stack ourselves up for 2019? So right before the finals, a couple days before, we traded our doubles player, Marcelo Demolinaire, to Springfield. Uh, Springfield ended up going on with Marcelo and winning the World Team Tennis Championship. And we ended up getting a draft pick out of it for 2019, which is how we ended up with Luke Bainbridge today. So, um, you know, obviously that uh, that worked out really well because we got Bambo out of it. Um, and in the past, we've... We've uh, been a buyer. Um, unfortunately, we weren't last year. Hopefully, we were a buyer at the end of the season this year. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always uh, exciting once we get to that point in the season. And GMs are always on the phone trying to improve their teams. Is Coco Goff about to get, you know, that Kirk Cousins-style <laughs> three-year, $80 million guaranteed deal? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I, think I think every general manager is after uh, Coco Goff at this point. Um, oh. And we uh, – a couple teams have inquired about her already, potentially bringing her in. So, oh my gosh! Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw her in World Team Tennis very, very soon. But no. um, yeah, she's got a, an incredible career ahead of her. This whole market—it's fascinating to me. Yeah, there are sellers. Have you? I mean, again, I feel like this isn't something you've heard. But would you consider trading first? You know, multiple first-round picks for the right star? Oh, oh, for sure. Um, and Uh-oh. yeah, I'll I'll go back to uh, to 2016. During the WTT draft, uh, we actually had, I'm, I'm not going to say the amount, but we had an opportunity to draft the Bryan brothers. They were the uh, the next best thing on the board. Package and deal? It was, our, it was our pick in Orange County, and we got a very, very nice cash offer from the Washington Castles for that draft pick. And um, we decided to take the cash, and the Castles took the pick, and they took the Bryan brothers, and... Um, you know, it really ended up working out for us. But we years ago, we also traded Roddick to New York. Um, so this, this stuff goes on all the time, and it's it's a whole lot of fun. It's it's like fantasy football, but in real life. Uh, my mind is blown. All I ask moving forward, can you just send me a text if you guys do something? And I'll be like, oh. And I'll, you know, pop out a little <laughs> article for you. Yes, yes, we'd be happy to. Uh, no, I appreciate that. Well, then, again, you've been so kind with your time, and I know you guys have a match coming up. I believe it starts in five minutes, so want to let you go uh, check that out. You guys are playing Philly tonight, right? We are playing Philly, indeed. And, I, and so I know you don't travel with the team. Is it a nerves thing? You know, you just got to keep a little distance? Yeah, yeah yes and no. Um, once again, literally, as we were just talking about these trades, um, I love all these guys, and as I mentioned before, they start to become family. But at the same time, um, as a general manager, unfortunately, it's part of the job. Sometimes you have to trade them. Sometimes you have to cut them. Sometimes you have to replace them. And sometimes, you know, they won't want to come back the following year. And, you know, maybe there's not a spot for them or you found a better replacement. So um, it's good to be nice with them, great to be friendly with them. But at the same time, 
you know, this is a job and it's business for me. So um, good to keep separation uh, when I can. No, of course, I completely understand that. Well, with that in mind, I want to ask one last serious question, then we'll get to our rapid-fire segment. Right. Um, but, you know, just want to give you one last chance uh, to pitch not only the World Team you know, world team Tennis, why fans should go check that out if they've got a match up near their city, but also your pitch why the 2019 Orange County Breakers will end up the, as the WTT champions. Sure. Well, for, for starters... Um... Uh, if, if you want to come out to a match, you're going to see some of the best professional tennis in the world come right to your backyard. You're going to get tickets uh, at the most affordable prices. You're going to have access and you're going to be in a venue that's literally a tenth of the size of what you'd see at Wimbledon or the U.S. Open. And you're going to be sitting 10 feet from Victoria Azarenka and Venus Williams and Stevie Johnson and Jeannie Bouchard. Uh, I don't think you can find that anywhere in the world. And on top of that, we add so much additional value into those tickets with all that we add to our events with DJs and uh, great food vendors and autographs for all kids 16 and under. So uh, if you want to come out, have a great night and watch some of the best tennis in the world, uh, I would definitely go to WTT.com and get some tickets. And then as far as the breakers go and, and why I think we're going to win the championship this year, um, first of all, I think we have the best coach in the league and Rick Leach. He's always great at bringing the team together. And I think we have probably two of the strongest girls in the league and i think that will take us a long way and then i think we have you know two really two really great men in uh bambo and ward who um, will be the backbone of this squad as we move forward here and then we've got some great marquees with azarenka and bouchard and johnson coming in i think the lineup just stacks up really well for us so um i uh, certainly hope we'll be lifting the king trophy in 2019 yeah, absolutely, and so many great players signed up for this season, as you mentioned, not only on your team, but I mentioned earlier, Isner, Stevens, Kyrgios, uh, you look at the young Americans, all of them are there, so this really is a place to watch some fun tennis, but with that being said, I don't like to let my guests know without uh, you know giving our listeners one more chance to learn a little bit more about them, their backgrounds, what they do off the court, so with that, I'd like to r- run you through our rapid fire segment, right. I'll give you some quick questions, you know, uh, some of them won't be one word answers, but whatever comes to the top of your head. Uh, we'll roll from there. Sounds good? Great. Looking forward to it, Alex. Awesome. Well, then, Westoff, if you could, give me a rapid-fire sound effect, please. Rapid-fire okay, we'll sound start... effect. Okay. Good yeah, stuff. Yes, and uh, it'll sound something like... Dun, 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 a little uh, Price is Right sort of sound effect. I'm a nerd, if you can't Perfect. Tell. And so, Perfect. Looking forward yeah, to Yeah, Price is Right. Bob, Bob Barker helped control the pet population, have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everyone. That's a staple of my life. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, with that being said, uh, let's, they don't want to hear about me. They want to hear about you. So so we'll start with an easy one. Uh, favorite city in the world? Newport Beach, California. Uh, that's a suck-up answer, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> um, born and raised. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fair. Um, all right, favorite meal off the court? Favorite meal? Probably ribs. Ooh, that's that sounds a little more Austin Aces than Newporty. I like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, now we'll get into the serious stuff. You obviously placed kicker at Nevada, and uh, so twenty twelve bowl games for preference. I, it's my senior year of high school. I had senioritis. I'm not watching anything else. I remember this uh, this game for you. I believe it was forty nine forty eight. Your Nevada team goes down to Arizona at being up that loss or the twenty eleven bowl game. Uh, I believe you guys lost by a field goal. Yeah, are, are you asking which one's worse? 
uh, yeah, which one? Yeah, which one hurts more? Man, I I would I would probably say the 2012 bowl game against Arizona just because we had that one in the bag. We're up by 13, and uh, I think there was 42 seconds left on the clock. I still to this day do not know how that was possible that we lost that game, but uh, uh, still still have nightmares about that game. That one hurts. <laughs> All right. Well, more impressive stat: going 56 of 57 over your career, or nine of 10 in a single game against Hawaii. Yeah, um, I would I would probably say the career one. What was it? 56 of 57. Um, uh, That's uh, nuts. A, a, a lot of people can put together a really good game, but um, very very <laughs> difficult to put it together throughout a year, throughout a season, throughout a career. So. Uh, Definitely something I was proud of. And if people can't tell, uh, you obviously, uh, 9 of 10 extra points, you were a place kicker. Uh, give me the highlights. Again, life as a place kicker, is it all that's it cracked up to be? Oh, my gosh, it's stressful. Yeah, very very difficult to be out there when you're playing <laughs> for a, a Hall of Fame coach, Chris Hall, like I did. But, um, man, you uh, it, it's amazing. When you're making kicks, you're on top of the world and everything feels great, and you're the leading scorer, and then all of a sudden you miss one, and it's amazing. It's, it's like the world comes crashing down on you and nobody wants to be your friend and uh it's uh it, it's it's incredible the amount of stress and then we've seen some guys um you know getting a lot of death threats over missed kicks and stuff with all the sports betting going on today so um very stressful but at the same time very rewarding when you're hitting you know hit the ball through the pipes do you ever do kickoffs and or tackle someone oh yeah yeah, yeah. i uh, oh. my claim to fame is i tackled doug martin who i believe still plays for the tampa bay Duck buccaneers uh, twice in the same game on kickoff coverage, so that was that was a good one. Oh, the running back, right? Yes, he is. Yes, he Boise, is. So. Boise State. Boise State. Uh, yeah, you got it. And it was it was out there on the blue turf. So fun one to bring him down twice. That is amazing. Kicking on the blue turf, weird. Uh, you know what? Don't even notice it. People ask me that all the time. You, you just you just don't even see it. That is, I, I yeah, that is. Oh, again, these are why we saved the rapid fire because that's the cool stuff I wanted to hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, all right. Uh, tra- I guess more stressful for you, watching the games from the sideline as a place kicker or watching the uh, the matches as the GM of the Breakers? Oh, man. Jeez, um, that's hard to answer because uh, one's a job and one's for fun. I would say, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I would say place kicking just because you're in those stadiums and there's, there's 80,000 people that are, pulling for you to make a kick and uh you also got teammates that have worked really hard for you to come through for them so i would i would probably say that's that's more stressful but heck, i mean watch, watching these guys and team tennis is uh makes your palm sweat okay last loss centric one you can win one of these three nevada arizona game uh the loss in your first year with the aces or the loss in your first year with the breakers which one do you reverse Oh, I would take the Nevada Arizona game. You uh, you can't you can't have you can't have your last game of your football career back. <laughs> That's yeah, I totally fair. I, I I figured you might go that route. Um, all right, <laughs> we'll stick with the other ones. Uh, favorite set of the five set format. Oh man, the fan favorite is probably men's singles, but I think you're going to go with mix. Um, Mixed or either men's doubles. It's just the reactions of these players and the athleticism is just incredible. 
I agree. Doubles does not get the, as much credit as it deserves. The mixed doubles set to me, again, I already said, it's make or break. It's everything. It's so entertaining to me. I mean, so you, everyone got a, a whiff of it with Serena and Murray, but it's like that all of the time. It's such an exciting venue, so I would agree with your answer there. Um, all right. If you could remove one shot from the game of tennis, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, Hard-hitting questions. Yeah, that's... That is- <laughs> One shot from the game of tennis. Um, man, I, I, I just because my backhand sucks, Alex. I'm gonna, say, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a one-handed backhand. Uh, that's funny. Just, I, look, I'd get rid of it Just because mine's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's probably. I'm, I'm the... good if you put it on my forehand. No, that's fair. For me, it's the high backhand volley. I'm like, why is anyone doing oh, there... this? Yes. <laughs> There, there, there you go. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the the tweener is the favorite though, and I can I can kind of do that one. I can kind of pull that one off. So. <laughs> I say this lovingly, but when you're priding your game on your tweener, it must be rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no comment. That's funny. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then we'll move on. Favorite tennis player? Favorite tennis player? Uh, gosh, I mean, I. Uh, probably be divorced today if i didn't say my wife right so i'll, I'll go with <laughs> the one you're not one you're not related to when one i'm not related to um gosh i'll probably go with um, can't be a breaker either well it could be a breaker. yeah yeah i'll uh I'll, I'll go with andre agassi is Ooh, that can, uh, can it be a retired guy uh, <laughs> a former world team tennis player i believe so we'll allow it um yep yeah. former former wtt player so yeah no yeah i'd, I like... I'd go with andre i loved watching him I love it. Well, then, softball answer for you, and we can wrap up here. The winner of the 2019 World Team Tennis season will be? Uh, The Orange County Breakers. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate having you. Before we wrap up, I want to give, as always, a shout-out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff. I'm sorry for doing this in front of you, Alan, but we end every pod this way, who have a of an editing job to do. Uh, if you've liked this podcast, obviously World Team Tennis is something we are going to be talking about all year long, so be on the lookout for that sort of content. But again, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, and good luck to your team throughout the season. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me. That's okay. the break. Yeah, well, I, I, let me hold that thought. So one last time, for my wonderful co-host, Alan Hardison, for our super producers, Max Flingner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, Alan, one more time, if you could say it to our listeners. That's the break. I love it, and thank you so much, and good luck to your team tonight. Thanks again, Alex. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah of course. Take care.